Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. Money FM 89.3, it is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian Tian. Time to turn our attention to headlines coming out from around the Southeast Asian region. Of course, a couple of days ago, we heard from former Malaysian Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamad saying that Malaysia could be like Singapore with a non Malay Prime Minister. We also had reports of a Thai man being sentenced to two years in prison for selling calendars featuring uh, satirical cartoons of yellow duck that a court said mocked the country's monarch. Hmm. We'll find out more about those. Online with me is Bridget Walsh, who is political analyst and honorary research associate, University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Bridget, good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Well, thanks a lot for helping me out with this. We start off with former Malaysian Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamad saying Malaysia could be like Singapore with a non-Malay Prime Minister. Where is this comment coming from? What's the basis behind this? Well, if you're following Malaysia closely, you'll know that the the politics is is increasing its political polarization, and the racial that politics is part of that. Mahathir is just joining the club that he's been in for a long time of really, you know, stoking those racialized perspectives uh, and using Singapore as part of that. So, I mean, from your perspective, though, I mean, diving into that comment itself, is Malaysia ready for a non-Malay PM? What's the likelihood of this happening? Well, I think that the nature of the polarized politics, you know, really does prevent uh, a Malay leader from, you know, a non-Malay leader from becoming the prime minister. I think it's a unspoken um, a, a dynamic, but it's also something that is now spoken about. That, And, you know, keep in mind that the aim is to sort of, you know, the opposition is using this issue of political displacement of the Malay community to rally their base. And, and this is something that Mahathir traditionally has used as well. Mm. And, I mean, when we look at a place like Singapore, you know, Singapore also traditionally has had only had a Chinese prime minister. And, and I think we can see, for example, that polling pointed to support for Thaman, for example, at a point of time, yeah. he's not, no longer in the running. Right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's the societies are changing, but the politics is not necessarily so. Mm, not exactly keeping pace with uh, the rest of the world in that sense, in terms of that change. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about the current prime minister, Anwar Ibrahim. His first 100 days uh, as prime minister. Minister has uh, just ended. What are your thoughts on how he's fared? What do you think is his biggest accomplishment so far? Well, you know, 100 days is a bit arbitrary, right? I think that, so I think that, you know, uh, I think we've had to begin with recognizing that. But I think that what he's done, given that he himself did not, in his party, his coalition did not have its own mandate and had to work with frenemies to form a government, we, uh, you know, one of the biggest accomplishments is that he's actually been able to consolidate uh, the government uh, through a number of important one, key key political vote, and we expect that the, the budget will also be approved. And, you know, he keep in mind that his coalition is now almost two-thirds of the parliament. And I think that's something that balance the different actors has been a big challenge. And it's come at cost because people ask why, for example, yesterday the Home Minister you know, basically overruled the, regis- the Register of Societies who was basically saying that UMNO needed to have contests at the party election at the top. So, you know, we have a situation where um, these sets of accommodations 
actions that are being done. Uh, do erode uh, some co- elements of confidence, but at the same time, they reflect the, the difficult balancing mm. act that Anwar has had. I think um, he has uh, two other big accomplishments. One is I think that he has put Malaysia on the map regionally uh, by, I think, a very serious of successful visits to, to including Singapore. And I think that Anwar as a cosmopolitan global leader has helped to kind of shore up the, the, the Malaysia's international image. I think the third thing is, is that, you know, he has defined his government from the perspective of having an emphasis on uh, poverty reduction, focusing on the most disadvantaged in society. And given the inequalities that exist in places, both in Singapore and in Malaysia, this type of approach really actually, you know, is it does point to a kind of important policy direction that we haven't yet seen real policies. We haven't yet seen uh, moving behind low-hanging fruit, I think. But I do think we have seen a kind of policy direction, which I think is positive. Mm, definitely spelled out in that budget that was announced about, what, two weeks ago. The reaction towards that budget so far, Bridget, your, your thoughts on that and perhaps what we can expect from uh, Mr. Anwar moving forward? He's come in with a difficult circumstances. So the budget is full of, and, and it's going, and those circumstances include a, a six-state election that will be held in, in a matter of months. So I think we can see that this election is very much about building up and trying to shore up popularity. There are a lot of handouts in the budget, yeah. tough questions about revenue that uh, uh, were not really addressed. And I think uh, you have a situation where you still follow the old model of kind of, you know, distributing benefits. And so the question really now is from after the budget, what sort of Policy measures are going to be introduced to actually to move beyond kind of rhetoric from the perspective of reform and, and new policy directions to actually having substance. There were some issues I had, particularly with the budget, and I think that it underestimates the amount of revenue that is coming into, and I think it overestimates the spending by including off-budget items. But I think that, you know, it didn't wow, but it mm. also didn't necessarily undermine, you know, confidence. I think the concern for the economy is how the budget will help to promote that. And I think to a certain degree, you know, there's still a little bit of wait and see. Yeah. I mean, economy aside, you can't help but wonder with regard to that budget. And well, again, this is a hindsight type of thing. The allocation to infrastructure, when you look at the flooding situation, lots of headlines. I mean, you're talking about evacuees exceeding the amount of 50,000 highest rainfall in four days since 1991. Here in Singapore, we were urged to buy local vegetables because uh, the farmers in Malaysia were hit by floods. So on this infrastructure issue, what do you think is going to happen moving forward? How soon can those, those projects with regard to uh, flood mitigation go ahead well, clearly not soon enough. And, you know, we're we're not even in proper flooding season. And we're oh, already yeah. experiencing, Johor has experienced yeah. the worst flood since 2006. And it's and it's, it's far from over. I think, uh, you know, the questions about mitigation projects, the reissuing of tenders, you know, these create delays. But I think more fundamentally, the projects that were in place were not working. Uh, and therefore, you know, there's a need for a kind of more holistic kind of, uh, I would say, nationwide approach of looking, working with states and local and federal governments. One of the challenges, however, is that these disasters have been painted as about a test of the current federal government, while, in fact, the issues of managing flood mitigation is at multiple levels and involves Mm -hmm. multiple sets of partners. Mm -hmm. I think there also have been concerns and criticisms that the aid is also being something that is politicized. And I think that, you know, let's be real, the circumstances that Johorians and other parts of Malaysia in Sarawak and Malacca, just to name a few, are facing currently and 
we're likely to face with further rain down the line is very serious. Yeah. You know, these issues are not going away anytime soon, and I think they speak to you know decades of, of neglect in handling these issues. Mm. From that, we move uh, to Thailand, where a man uh, from Thailand was sentenced to two years in prison for selling calendars featuring uh, satirical cartoons of yellow ducks. The court said that this mocked the country's monarch. What does this show, you know, with regard to the least majesty law in the country? What are your thoughts on this particular situation? Was the intent there? Well, I think it was rather, I will refrain from making some comments about the using the word duck, but I okay. would say that, uh, you know, uh, it was a bit quacked, is what I would have said <laughs> in terms of initial reaction, on that, and to be polite. I would say that the fact of the matter is, is that this reflects the fact that Thailand is moving into its election season, mm. We ha- that more systematic patterns right, right. Of, of, of scores of cases of majesty. It reflects poorly on Thailand, but th- that on all these cases, they don't look at what's happening, um, how it's Perceived outside, but more how it is seen to shore up the government's response and to wow. and the, the pivotal role that the monarch plays within the context of Thai politics. That is actually, you know, facing quite significant pressures for political change from old political parties that are coming back and Thai, uh, from the parties of uh, Future Forward, and of course the youth mobilization over these issues. And so I think this is a, a, again, I think a gross injustice and expansion interpretation of the law, but it. It is one, nevertheless, that reflects the conflicting dynamics within Thai politics. All right. We've been speaking with Bridget Welsh, who is political analyst and honorary research associate, University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Bridget, appreciate your time today and a happy International Women's Day to you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.